Welcome to Least of These, where I cover the cases that need it most, because every life matters and everyone deserves justice. I'm your host, Leah D. And today, I'm bringing you an update on the case of Mary Santina Collins in Charlotte, North Carolina. If you haven't heard Mary's story yet, jump back to episode number 59, titled Mary's Voice, and then meet us right back here. Since Mary's episode aired back in March, there have been bond hearings and a plea deal with one of the four defendants made in her case. And through those court proceedings, more details have been revealed that weren't previously known to the public. And just last week, a court ruling was issued that stunned everyone. With all that being said, let's get right to it. In the spring of 2020, Mary Santina Collins was murdered by four people, two of whom Mary considered friends. When I told Mary's story back in March of 2022, all four defendants accused of Mary's murder were awaiting trial. Three of the four of them were in custody. Then 18-year-old America Deal, who was not charged with murder and only with felony accessory after the fact and concealing a death, was granted bond on September 18, 2021, and reportedly living with her family in Clover, South Carolina, awaiting her trial. Since that recording, Kelly Lavery has struck a plea deal, and in a shocking court ruling, James Salerno has been granted bond. Before we get into the details of Kelly Lavery's plea deal or Salerno's bond, I'd like to take you back through the events surrounding Mary's murder, because through all these court proceedings, more details previously unknown to the public have been revealed. Mary's story deserves to be told in its entirety, but I'm going to forewarn you, the details are horrific. What these four monsters did to Mary is beyond any comprehension. As we know, Mary left her home on the afternoon of March 28, 2020, headed to the apartment of Kelly Lavery and Lavi Pham. Mary and Lavi had briefly dated in high school. According to Mary's grandmother, they had broken up because Mary wasn't ready for a serious relationship just yet, especially when it came to the physical aspect. Remember, Mary had cognitive disabilities. Though she was 20 years old, in many ways her abilities were more closely that of a young teen. She had a speech impediment, couldn't drive herself, and was extremely forgiving and trusting. There weren't hard feelings after the breakup, at least not on Mary's part, and it appeared Pham moved on too, at some point getting into a relationship with Lavery. When Lavi Pham started dating Kelly Lavery, he introduced her to his friend James Salerno who goes by the name Jimmy. You see, Pham and Salerno grew up in the same neighborhood, went to the same school, and hung out a lot. And of course that continued, and this trio of tick turds started hanging around together. On the afternoon of March 28, 2020, Kelly Lavery ordered an Uber to pick up Mary from the home she shared with her grandmother 
and to take her to Lavery and Pham's apartment. According to statements later given by Lavery herself, she told Mary they were going to have a girls' night in. They'd hang out and have a scary movie marathon. Soon after Mary arrived at Lavery and Pham's apartment, her phone was turned off. Over the course of the next several days, when Mary's family and friends hadn't heard from her, she was reported missing. Mary's grandmother, mom, and eventually detectives had all gone to the apartment and spoke with Lavery and Pham, trying to find Mary. At a later court proceeding for Kelly Lavery, Mary's grandmother recalled one interaction at the apartment with Lavery. I went to pick her up. I knocked on the door. I could hear somebody behind the door. She went open the door, so I said, I'm going to call 911. And she looked me in the eye. And I said to her, I'm here to pick up Mary. Get her. And she said, Mary's not here. And I said, and she was completely composed, just normal every other day. You know, nothing's happening here. And I said, oh, isn't she? She said, no, she left at about 11 to go hang out with friends. Well, Mary doesn't have any friends, you know, that wouldn't come in. She can't drive, and I know her friends, and Mary didn't take her glasses with her because she was subconscious about her glasses, so she couldn't see very well. Her phone had no activity, and her bank card had no activity. So how did Mary leave? How? She didn't call anybody to come get her. She can't see right. She doesn't have a sense of direction. She doesn't even know where she is. You might as well take her and put her on the moon. And But she very calmly, oh, Mary's not here. I said, you're lying. And she looked me in the eye as I implored her to tell me where Mary is. Get Mary. I know you're lying. Let me come in then. So she, she let me come in. She let me come in like nothing. I, I, I look in the room, I look around, we go all the way. I, I open the shower curtain in the one bathroom. I open closets. I'm yelling Mary's name, Mary, Mary, Mary. I get to the back and she's standing like in between me and the back. And uh, she didn't want me to open the back bedroom door. So I said, I'm not leaving here until you, I see what's in that room. And she said, well, my friends are in there and you're gonna, you're embarrassing me. And I can't, you know, I don't want my friend, you know. I said, what friend, you know, and my, just my friend, blah, blah, blah. Then she said, I need you to leave my house, my home. Well, because I am a reasonable human being, I know that when someone says you need to leave my, your home legally, you, you can't just keep standing there. So I backed up to the threshold of the apartment, you know, all the way so I could still see that room. She didn't close the door. I'm still standing there. And I, at this point, I'm still begging her. I start to cry. And I said to her, what's wrong with you? Why would you want to hurt Mary? And excuse my language, but she said, Oh, I give fucks about Mary. Me and Mary, we go get our nails done and we go do all these things. You know, she she told me what they were. Not knowing that I know everything Mary does, everywhere she goes, every penny she spends. I know I give her her disability money. Everything she said was a lie, and I knew it right then. So right then I knew you could feel 
you know, if she was lying. And so I said, um, let me back in the room. I'm yelling Mary's name past her head. And a, 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 a neighbor comes out, wants to know if there's a problem. I'm like, yeah, there's a problem. I need my daughter. And the neighbor says she's going to call somebody. I thought, please do. So then I said to her, is Lobby back there? Then I start yelling Lobby's name. And she goes, <laughs> yeah, with her finger, just like that. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's Lobby in there. I said, well, get it. So she went, and while she was gone, I stood there, and I, I sort of surveyed the apartment, trying to figure out what was going on. And here she comes a little a few minutes later with Lobby. And um, Lobby's like, you know, and not, not really uh, communicating. And uh, Kelly was in control of the whole thing. She was so composed. Now that we know what happened, if you had been there, if you had seen how composed and how concentrated she was and how she, she controlled the conversation and she, she put her body between me and Lobby so that whenever I tried to talk to Lobby, she would take over the conversation. She was in complete <coughs> control, completely composed. It was bone chilling. She made my skin crawl. I knew she was lying. I looked down. She had a hammer in her hand. Holding the hammer. I said to her, you cannot hit me hard enough with that hammer to make me forget about Mary. She was composed the whole entire time. She was not I mean, you would think that if you had done something like that, here comes the grandmother showing up, which she, I'm sure she didn't expect, that you would not be able to be that in control. I mean, it, 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 and then she started telling me how she cared about Mary, and she'd help us find Mary. Um, but at the same time, her body language and her behavior was, was aggressive enough that you could just feel, you know. She never raised the hammer, but she had it. She continued, even, and we all knew she was lying. It's not, for a second, did we not know that she had done something to Mary, but we didn't know how we were going to figure out what. The only thing we could do was go along and listen to what, she, you know, pretend we believed her. Pham and Lavery continued to claim Mary had been there, but she had left. At times, they acted concerned. Pham texting Mary's mom screenshots of people she should look into. Pham also telling the missing persons detective that Lavery had been reaching out to Mary via Instagram. The days ticked on, Mary's family desperate to find her. The night of April 2nd, a witness came to police with information. This witness was a friend of Jimmy Salerno's. After seeing a social media post that people were looking for him, the witness had reached out to Jimmy and asked him what was going on. The reason people were looking for Salerno? He and Pham had posted multiple photos inside the apartment while Mary was there. One was of Pham and Salerno dressed in black, Pham sitting on the counter with Salerno standing next to him, posing with a large knife. 
Jimmy Salerno told this person that he was at a party with Mary and that Kelly Lavery and Lavi Pham had tied her up, beat her in a bathtub, and hid her body in a mattress that they had plans to burn later. The next day, on April 3rd, Detective Gaskin with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police went to the apartment and spoke with Lavery and Pham. They were hesitant to let him in to search, but eventually agreed. He noted that the apartment appeared it hadn't been cleaned in days. There were clothes strewn all over the place and dirt in the bathtubs. But he didn't see any sign of Mary. Even after Lavery and Pham had lifted the mattresses, in the front and master bedrooms. On April 4th, that same witness provided even more information, telling police that they had missed Mary in the first search because her body had been concealed not in the mattress itself, but the box spring. By 3.45 that afternoon, detectives were provided a recorded conversation by yet another witness one in which Jimmy Salerno stated Lavi Pham was offering an individual $4,000 to remove something from his apartment. But that wasn't all. This witness had met with Salerno and America Deal at a park. And Salerno told the witness that he, Lavi Pham, Kelly Lavery, America Deal, and Mary were all hanging out at the apartment and that when he walked out of the bedroom, he saw Mary tied up on the floor while Lavery and Pham were beating her in the head with a bottle. He also claimed that after he woke up, Pham texted him to come into the master bedroom, and he saw Mary tied up in the bathtub. Salerno told this witness that all of this had happened because Lavery and Pham wanted to have a threesome, but Mary refused. And further... Pham made him clean up everything. Salerno had said that he had helped Lavery and Pham wrap Mary's body in saran wrap and garbage bags and place her inside that mattress. With that, detectives with the homicide unit secured a search warrant for the apartment. At approximately 7.35 p.m., police arrived and reportedly called out to Lavi Pham and Kelly Lavery at the door, but no one responded. Pham was contacted by phone and he said he wasn't home, but after a few moments, he emerged from the apartment. Officers then made entry and called out for Kelly Lavery, but got no response. She was located in the front guest bedroom, quote, passed out. It appeared she was under the influence of something. Officers were concerned she may have overdosed, so a medic was called. Medics arrived and determined Lavery was fine and she and Pham were immediately taken into custody. The search warrant was executed. There was drug paraphernalia all over the place. In the kitchen, several rolls of saran wrap and contractor-grade trash bags. In the master bedroom, investigators turned their focus to the bed. Random things had been piled up on top. After carefully removing the items, they lifted the corner of the mattress. It was clear that something wasn't right. The sheet and mattress pad cover were removed, and police discovered that the mattress had been flipped upside down and taped together along the sides and corners with silver duct tape. It was cut open and investigators found multiple flattened cardboard boxes, one with Kelly Lavery's name on it, 
and another with Lavi fams along with tracking information. Under the boxes was the body of Mary Collins, wrapped with saran wrap, duct tape, and black trash bags. Shower gel and dish detergent had been poured all over her. They also located a black and pink towel, white plastic trash bags that contained several t-shirts with suspected bloodstains, and duct tape packaging along with several rolls of duct tape stuffed inside that mattress. The mattress pad topper later tested positive for blood. The search of the apartment continued. On the bedroom floor between the bed and wall, a bloody knife was located. On the bookshelf beside the bed, Mary's ID and Bank of America debit card were found. In the bathroom of the master bedroom, a serrated knife was recovered from the sink. The bath mat had multiple areas of suspected blood. The shower curtain and liner had suspected blood stains, and there was a mop bucket sitting beside the bathtub. When Blue Star was applied in the bathroom, there were positive reactions for blood on the front and left wall of the shower tub basin, multiple spots on the floor, in the sinks and the front portion of the right bathroom wall. Outside of the apartment, investigators located a sheet, metal springs, and clumps of unknown silver fabric. Despite a major cleanup effort, DNA evidence was located all over the apartment. Further testing showed that that shower curtain and liner tested positive for blood in multiple areas. Mary's was found in six places, and two areas were found with mixtures of at least three people, one of them definitely being Kelly Lavery. On the serrated knife handle, DNA of three different people was located, with Lavery and Pham being major contributors, and on the blade, a spot of Lavi Pham's blood. Swabs taken off the rear shower wall matched Mary's DNA. America Deal's fingerprints were located inside the black garbage bag Mary's body had been found in. At the medical examiner's office, Mary's post-mortem exam was completed. As we know, her body had been found in two black plastic trash bags taped together. She was wrapped from head to toe in duct tape and saran wrap. A black t-shirt had been tied around her upper neck and what appeared to be socks had been wrapped and knotted around her midneck. Portions of cut jeans covered her lower legs and a red t-shirt had been loosely wrapped around her ankle and secured with duct tape. That red t-shirt contained the DNA of at least three contributors. One of them was identified as Kelly Lavery. After everything was carefully removed, the brutality of the torture Mary Santina Collins had suffered was revealed. Her body was covered in cuts and stab wounds. There were 133 cutting wounds and 24 superficial shallow stab wounds. The placement of those wounds was strategic. Not a single one of those injuries had caused any internal organ damage or so much as nicked any major blood vessel. And further, there were signs of a sexual assault. Swabs taken from Mary's upper body showed DNA from two male contributors. There wasn't enough to make a positive identification on exactly who. However, there were only two males in the apartment that night, Lavi Pham and James Jimmy Salerno. According to court testimony, the Charlotte-Mecklenburg police recovered several messages on Pham and Lavery's phones during the time Mary was inside the apartment. In those messages, multiple comments were made about drugging Mary 
and, quote, slipping more bars in her drink. Other messages stated another bar down and revealed that Pham was the one who had slipped the drug into her drink. There were references to Mary also being drugged with Molly. And even further messages revealed that Lavery had told James Salerno that she and Pham were forcefully drugging Mary. The bars they were referring to were bars of Xanax, a powerful benzodiazepine, prescribed for anxiety and panic disorders. The medication comes in a long rectangular tablet form, which is designed to be broken into quarters, each piece equaling one dose. Ingesting one bar, which would have been an entire tablet or four doses, would have caused Mary to be dizzy, confused, and drowsy. Molly is also known as MDMA or ecstasy and is often used as a party drug, which has been shown to increase sexual arousal and enhance sexual activity. The combination of these two drugs and the fact that she was given them unknowingly and unwillingly would have left Mary in an extremely impaired and confused state. Everyone in that apartment knew exactly what was happening. Everyone, that is, except for Mary. Of course, investigators wanted to talk to each of the four defendants, and all of them had a different story or lie to tell. Attempting to point blame on each other and trying to distance themselves as much as possible. Let's start with Lavi Pham. After he was taken into custody on April 4th, he sat down with investigators, and before the interview could even begin, detectives noticed blood dripping down Pham's wrist. It was discovered that Pham had a deep laceration near his elbow that had been wrapped in saran wrap. The cut so deep, police believed he needed medical treatment, which Pham refused. When asked how he had gotten the injury, he claimed he was playing with a knife and had accidentally cut himself. Likely story. Anyhow, eventually investigators got down to business and asked Pham about what had happened. He admitted that he did know Mary Collins, but that she was his girlfriend Kelly Lavery's friend and that Lavery had ordered her an Uber to come to the apartment. But Mary wasn't there to hang out with him. It was so she and Lavery could watch movies. And America Deal and Jimmy Salerno were also there just hanging out. Pham claimed he was minding his own business, not really hanging out with anyone. Now's probably a good time to remind you of that video we talked about in the last episode that clearly shows Lavery, Pham, and Mary in the elevators of the apartment picking up a sushi order on March 29th, and that according to Mary's voice, Pham knew sushi was Mary's favorite food because during the brief period the two dated, he would take Mary out for sushi. Y'all remember that, right? Okay, good. According to Pham, after a couple of days of him minding his own business, and the day after they were captured on video getting sushi, Mary left at around 11 or 12 on Monday, March 30th to go to a photo shoot, and he hadn't heard from her since, although he had tried to contact her on Instagram, but she hadn't responded. He told detectives that he was 100% certain he had seen Mary leave the apartment and that she had her own ride to the supposed photo shoot. 
When confronted with the fact that detectives were 100% certain he hadn't watched Mary leave the apartment, he looked at them all confused and asked for a lawyer. On April 5th, 2020, investigators sat down with Kelly Lavery, who admitted she had ordered an Uber for Mary and claimed that they were going to have a scary movie marathon. She stated that she and Mary were hanging out together and staying away from Fam and Salerno because Mary and Salerno didn't get along. She regurgitated the same bullshit as her boyfriend, Lavi Fam, and claimed Mary had left between 11 and 12 that Monday, and she had been trying to help find her ever since. And again, like Fam, as soon as detectives turned the pressure up a notch, Lavery lawyered up. Jimmy Salerno was arrested at his parents' home that night at 11.05 p.m. I don't have access to the statement he gave police, but if I had to guess, it would be something along the lines of what he reportedly told the witness. It was all fam, lavery, and deal. After America Deal's fingerprints were identified on the inside of that black garbage bag along with further electronic evidence, a warrant was issued for her arrest on May 7, 2020. She was all the way in Colorado, but eventually turned herself in and was extradited back to North Carolina. She declined to give a statement to police before consulting with a lawyer, but on October 8, 2020, she, alongside her legal counsel, sat down with investigators. She claimed she had met James Salerno on Tinder. She was familiar with Lavery and Pham because she had spent the week prior to the murder at the apartment with the trio. At some point between April 28th and 30th, Salerno called her and asked her to come to Pham and Lavery's apartment. He said there was, quote, a weird girl there that didn't talk right. So she headed over. When she got there, Salerno, Pham, and Lavery were in the back room doing drugs to include cocaine, Molly, Xanax, meth, and Roxy's. America claimed this was the first time she had ever met Mary, and that while Lavi Pham, Kelly Lavery, and Jimmy Salerno were going balls to the wall using multiple substances, she herself only did a little cocaine and a small dose of Molly. America told investigators that Salerno told her that Pham and Lavery were interested in a threesome with Mary. But Mary wasn't interested in that at all. And according to America, she wasn't either. So a short time later, she went to bed in the front bedroom and her new love interest, Jimmy Salerno, stayed with the others in the back bedroom. I feel the need to point out here that America was rolling on Molly and had just snorted cocaine. Cocaine, of course, being an upper or stimulant. And Molly, not only a hallucinogenic, but also classified as a stimulant. Somehow, after taking two stimulants, America Deal just climbed into bed and drifted off to sleep. I mean, does anyone really believe that? Kind of convenient, isn't it? Before she drifted off, she claimed she set the alarm on her phone for 7 a.m. because she had to take her mom to work. At 7 the next morning, she woke up, went to the room, and got cigarettes from Lavi Fam and then took her mom to work. James Salerno then came to her mother's workplace and picked her up, because she needed to leave the car with her mom. From there, they went back to the apartment. When they got back, Pham and Lavery were standing in the master bedroom. She walked into the room, and James Salerno, according to America, acting as some type of muscle, 
walked up behind her and closed the bedroom door. Another fact it's important to note here is that James Salerno is a large man. He's over six foot tall and has a full and slightly muscular build. After America was in the bedroom with the other three, with Salerno standing behind her, they all looked at each other and one of them opened the bathroom door. When America looked inside the bathroom, there was blood everywhere. And Mary was in the bathtub with cuts all over, including a large cut to her forearm. Her neck had also been cut and according to America, a chain leash had been placed around it. America claimed she was horrified at the scene and wanted to go home. She told them to take her home, but they told her she wasn't going anywhere until she helped them clean up or she would be raped and killed like Mary. America recalled that none of the three showed any signs of remorse and that Lavery held a knife to her neck as she instructed her to take trash bags and to tape them up around Mary's body and then to wrap her body in plastic wrap and duct tape. While America was wrapping up Mary's body, Pham and Salerno were joking about raping and killing Mary. She claimed Pham said they had both raped Mary and then cut her neck and forced her to watch Kelly Lavery and Lavi Pham have sex as she bled to death. Sometimes there are simply no words. I can only say that pure evil exists in this world, and these four defendants are the prime example. America continued. After Mary's body had been wrapped, it was time to clean the bathroom. Everyone was looking to Kelly Lavery for direction, and she handed down orders. America stated to investigators that Lavery never assisted in the cleanup, but had participated in the actual killing. And she knew this because as she, Pham, and Salerno continued to clean up at Lavery's direction, they continued to talk about what had happened. At one point, Salerno and Pham said that Lavery had gone crazy while she was stabbing Mary, stating she had, quote, gone primal, and in the process cut Pham on the elbow. Of course, that matched the injury on Pham's arm when he had been arrested. After the bathroom was clean, Lavery, Salerno, and Pham cut open the mattress, took the springs out, and tried to line it with clothes. They put Mary inside, taped the mattress back up, and put the sheets back over. Pham then began texting people, trying to find someone with a truck, because he wanted to take the mattress out of the apartment to burn it. At some point, Salerno and Pham were discussing cleaning supplies, and Pham ultimately ordered bleach online, and then according to America, she and Salerno went to pick up the supplies. Pham had sent money via Cash App to Salerno to cover the cleaning supplies. This was consistent with records found in Salerno's phone. America Deal claimed that all of this had happened because Mary didn't want to have sex with Lavi Pham and Kelly Lavery. And while it's possible that could have been a part of the motive, Kelly Lavery had been bullying Mary online for years leading up to the murder. Kelly Lavery was far more depraved than anyone realized. According to witnesses, she had actually made jokes about killing Mary in the past. According to the people that know and are familiar with this defendant, she has a history of bullying and manipulating people. 
She has shown an extremely strong interest in knives and the search of her phone. There were multiple several long or several minute long videos of her flipping and playing with knives, just playing around with them. They appear to vary in size, but this seems to be pure entertainment as she flips and grips these knives in different locations as these videos are set to music. During the investigation, Detective Jones was able to speak with a female um, that used to date Lottie for about three years. In 2017, when they were dating, this Lottie cheated on this girl with Kelly. After that, Kelly would send and leave nasty messages for this woman, including things like, I got your man, and telling this woman that she should go kill herself. Kelly also had a history of bullying Mary over social media and text, telling her things like she hoped Mary would get hit by a Walmart truck, and that Mary should work on being less ugly and call Mary a dumb bitch. There are 283 text messages on Kelly's phone between her and Mary, whom she has listed in her phone as a contact name of Scary Mary. These texts range from October 2019 all the way up to March 30th of, 2000, of 2020 at 6.01 p.m. Most of the texts are chit-chat, but if I could just direct the court's attention to a few key points. Beginning in January of 2020, Kelly and Mary were arguing um, over text where Kelly is calling Mary a bad friend for supposedly flirting with Lobby. Um, Kelly eventually tells Mary that she and Lobby were just testing Mary and that it was Kelly the whole time pretending to be Lobby. These exchanges go on to the point of telling uh, Mary telling Kelly to just leave her alone. But Kelly kept at her and asked Mary if she liked Kelly's personality. When Mary said no, that she's back tonight, she's still in high school, Kelly's response was the following, Your Honor. See, you want to know why it doesn't matter? My parents are millionaires. I get to have a bad personality. And then Mary um, then asked if Mary's parents were, were private jet rich, Tesla rich, designer shit rich, asked if Mary's daddy made 700K annually. And then she said, this defendant texted to Mary, two dollar sign equals, I can treat people however I want. Kelly continued on. She told Mary that she was flirting with her as if she were lobby and she can't believe she fell for it. She told Mary, you know I have a genius IQ, right? WTF else am I supposed to do when I get bored? The texts continue. Mary calls Kelly a bad person and Kelly responds with no. I'm diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder, AKA I'm a psychopath. If you can shame my disorder, I can shame yours. Mary says that's not what she's doing, but Kelly can't use her disorder and money as an excuse to treat people like shit. Excuse the language, Your Honor, it's a quote. Kelly then follows up asking Mary if she knows anything about antisocial personality disorder because it's a literal excuse to be manipulative and mean to others and find enjoyment out of it. On January 25th, 2020, just two weeks after these awful exchanges, Kelly then texts Mary and says that since they aren't friends, that must mean they're best friends. Mary's confused but accepts it and goes on talking, they, they go on then talking about plans to hang out. On January 29th, a text from Kelly to Mary asks Mary if she's bi. Mary laughs it off and says no. And I would only submit that and argue that that kind of supports the whole idea behind this threesome. 
On March 28th, there are texts between them about Mary coming over that day and that Kelly will send her an Uber. They are texting and call logging the whole time um, while that Uber is on its way to pick up Mary. On March 30th, the same day that reports Mary missing, and presumably based on the rest of the timeline, Your Honor, Mary's already deceased at that point. But this defendant sends a final text message to Mary's phone asking her to call her grandma because she's stopped by and she's worried about her because apparently there's a lockdown because of the virus. Completely acting like she has no idea what's going on. Beyond these text messages, Your, Your Honor, which I believe are troubling in and of themselves, uh, this defendant's own friend came to CMPD on her own. CMPD knew nothing about her, but she came on her own and gave an interview. She said she had been friends with Kelly for about four years and described Kelly as a master manipulator and told stories about Kelly joking about wanting to kill Mary and how she would do it. She said they would watch those promo shows and during a particular episode, I was not able to determine which one, but during this particular episode, Kelly commented that if she ever killed Mary, this would be how she did it. She said the only reason that Kelly kept Mary around was because Mary was the one friend that never wanted anything from Kelly. She didn't want anything. She just wanted to be friends. She just was looking for a friendship. Now, those texts and you are so important to show the type of relationship this defendant had with Mary and how she treated her. So it's not a normal or typical friendship. You know, I would submit that this information, all of it shows some sort of deep-seated hatred for Mary, and I can't for the life of me figure out why. I don't know why, Your Honor. The evil and hatred that exists in Kelly Lavery is something I don't believe any human being could ever understand. Mary Collins was the only friend that wanted nothing from her. She wasn't impressed by Lavery's daddy's money. She just wanted to be her friend. And Kelly Lavery took full advantage of Mary's genuine love and kindness and lured her to that apartment to murder her. Despite the brutality and the mountains of evidence, including the mounds of evidence of premeditation, prosecutors struck a plea deal with Kelly Lavery. On June 30, 2022, Judge Daniel Coonhert accepted that plea. Kelly Lavery pled guilty to second-degree murder, kidnapping, and concealment of a body. She was sentenced to 25 to 32 years in prison. Lavery herself spoke at the hearing, offering some kind of twisted prayer for Mary's family and friends, the community, and for Mary, stating in part, I want to pray for Mary that she's in peace and that she knows I'm so sorry for whatever happened to her. Her spirit will never be forgotten. In the name of the Holy Trinity, amen. Last time I checked, this chick was now a convicted murderer with a tattoo of a burning church on her body. But there she was, offering a twisted prayer in open court. Sources tell me that since slavery has been behind bars, she is now going by the name Azzy and claiming she's innocent. Innocence and lavery don't even belong in the same paragraph. While it's easy to see lavery as the ringleader, she didn't act alone. The other three defendants charged in Mary's murder are equally as depraved. There is physical evidence against all of them, 
including multiple messages between the four of them discussing the details prior, during, and after the murder. Not to mention the cell phone data which places all four of them in that apartment when Mary was murdered. In subsequent court hearings, counsel for the other three defendants have tried hard to play evidence gymnastics, pointing out all the evidence against the others, conveniently leaving out the evidence against their client, to the point it would be laughable if this wasn't serious. I mean, really, no shit there's evidence against all four because they all did it. On that same June 30th day that the plea deal was accepted for Kelly Lavery, Lafay Pham also made an appearance in court. It was revealed that the prosecution would have considered making a deal with him too, but it had since been taken off the table. And besides, Lafay Pham wanted to take his case to trial. What in the hell is with all the deals? This isn't a case that lacks evidence. I mean, short of a confession, it seems the prosecution has all they need. Lavi Pham is still currently behind bars waiting for his day in court. The same cannot be said for America Deal or James Jimmy Salerno. As we discussed earlier, America Deal has been out on a $100,000 bond with no conditions since September 18, 2021. She currently resides in Clover, South Carolina, awaiting trial on charges of accessory after the fact and concealing a death. At the time of this recording, James Jimmy Salerno is still behind bars, but it is feared that won't be the case for much longer. Last Thursday, January 19th, 2023, Judge Carla Archie granted Salerno a $250,000 bond on his murder charge and an $80,000 bond on kidnapping. That bond came with absolutely zero conditions, besides he show up for future court dates. That means he and his family would only need to come up with roughly $33,000 and Salerno will be walking the streets until his trial. $33,000 sounds like a lot, but James Salerno has a family with financial means. A family who seemingly stands behind him, and even after hearing the details of what happened to Mary, has shown no emotion in the courtroom. In fact, according to multiple members of Mary's family, at the bond hearing, Salerno's family scoffed at Mary's family and friends. And further, Salerno's parents were laughing so blatantly as they left the courtroom after the hearing in which their son was granted bond. It caught the attention of one of Mary's family members. The family member stated, There's nothing funny here. Mary is dead. And Salerno's father had the audacity to puff up his chest and turned towards that family member. At that point, Salerno's lawyer intervened and asked Salerno's father what he was looking to accomplish, and the situation was diffused. The apple sure doesn't fall far from the tree. Will the citizens of Charlotte-Mecklenburg feel safe with James Salerno walking the streets? Do y'all feel safe in Clover, South Carolina? 
Due to a backlog of cases in Charlotte-Mecklenburg County, it could be as many as five years before Deal, Pham, and Salerno are tried for Mary's murder. Five years that Salerno could continue living his life like nothing happened, free without a single condition. And five more years, Deal continues to live free from consequences. Mary Santina Collins didn't get five more years. Her friends and family didn't get five more years. Mary was ripped away from everyone who knew and loved her on March 28, 2020, because of the actions of these four monsters. There is a very real possibility that two of the four could walk free for years, all while Mary's family is left shattered, grieving the loss of such a beautiful soul. It just doesn't feel anything like justice. What about Mary? Where is the outrage? I want to leave you with the words of Mary's grandmother spoken at the bond hearing for James Salerno. A plea for him to remain behind bars that apparently fell on deaf ears. Your Honor, James Jimmy Salerno is not innocent. In fact, he is the pivotal reason we discovered Mary was in that mattress. He and three other people murdered Mary. Mary was five foot four. She did not weigh a hundred pounds. Jimmy is over six foot tall and closer to 200 pounds. He and three other people brutally hurt and murdered Mary. They slaughtered her and bled her out in a bathtub like an animal in a slaughterhouse. They wrapped her in plastic like a slaughtered animal, prepared a mattress, hid her inside of it, and intended to burn her. Because she was so petite, it was easy for them to do. I ask that you look at this photo of Mary so you can see how small she was. Was because she's dead. Jimmy Salerno did not tell people what he had done and what happened to Mary out of guilt or empathy. He did it as a braggart. He is of depraved heart. Mary was sweet, caring, and trusting. She was fragile. I myself could pick her up. As a family, we often joked about this and how easily startled she was. Her younger brother, who is also around six foot tall, would often pick her up jokingly and carry her around the house and they would laugh. We're not laughing anymore. This man and three other people overpowered her, terrified, tortured, and brutalized her. Mary was uncomfortable around Jimmy Salerno. She did not like him. She told me he was mean to her and said things to her that she did not understand. Mary would not have wanted to go anywhere knowing that he would be there. I myself met Jimmy at my home on at least two occasions. I told him that Mary's uncle was a police officer. He told me that he was named after his late grandfather, a highly respected police officer. He has a clear idea of the gravity of breaking the law, yet he has made a habit of it and now has murdered Mary. He worked as a group. They tricked and trapped her. They used her for their depraved entertainment. What he has done rises to such a level of depravity as to be likely one of, if not the most depraved crimes Charlotte has seen. In fact, Chief Jennings, D.A. Merriweather, the police detectives, and the ADAs have all told us that they've never seen anything like this. 
The community, which includes educators, medical providers, disabled persons, friends, neighbors, and family, do not want to see him hurt anyone else ever again. In fact, Your Honor, we most definitely want all four to have a fair trial. Emphasis on fair. Not some twisting of the truth or theater for the court. Not legal deception of the court. Fair is not a contorted rewritten account of what they've done. We trust that the court, the justice system, and God himself will see to this. The truth is, the only close to fair thing is for Jimmy and the other three to spend the rest of their lives in prison, away from society for the protection of the community, because he can never pay in this life for what they've done. James Salerno cannot be allowed to ever harm another human being. We have to demand justice for Mary. Go to justiceformarysantinacollins.com and subscribe so you'll be notified immediately of updates and the different ways you can help. You can bet I'll be following Mary's case closely and will bring you the updates as they become available. As always, you can find more information on this case on my Instagram at least underscore of these or my Facebook at least of these podcast. You can also follow Mary's voice on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok, and I'll be sure to link all that information in the show notes. New episodes drop every Thursday. I'll be bringing you an all-new case next week. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already so you don't miss it. You can finally get all your episodes ad-free just the way you like them for just $2 a month. And as a member of Patreon, you'll be the first to be notified when new tiers will be launched with exclusive episodes and a few bonus surprises. Head on over to patreon.com slash least of these to support the show today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. If you know something, say something. And until next time, be good to each other. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.